Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It is September 26, 2018. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Where's my choo-choo? I don't know. Where did the choo-choo go? I think it's over there. Oh, isn't that a shame? Oh, that is a shame. What's up, Dan? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Tim. How it's you good, doing? It's g- good to hear. I'm, do- I'm doing really well. I am Tim Herbin. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley, across from me. Hello. And Mr. Dan James, across the, the city. Across the pond. Yeah, Hello. I guess there probably is a pond between us at might some point as, in the city. Might yeah. as well be in England at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, anyway, thank you. I'm sure there's a dirty puddle between here and your house. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially after the rain tonight. Sorry for the the, the delay tonight. We are ten minutes late. The weather. Well, we're, we're ten minutes. We're ten minutes and two days late for most. Oh, that's true. I think most people are assuming that we would go on Monday, but rather than weeks past, we figured we would at least just postpone it to later in the week and yeah. still keep the show because there sure. was at least a game so guys you want to talk about a hardcore homie we got keith filer down south in south georgia saying that me he said uh what up guys out of power but i got you on my phone tonight dirty bird person that's all me show of hands who was actually awake last wednesday don't be shy i was, I was one not- of the few that was up not um, just until i was not just until the end of the game at 1 30 a.m but the extra hour afterwards where i was just tossing and turning trying to figure out how the hell we pulled that out yeah i was uh i won't lie i fell asleep at halftime that was just ridiculous <laughs> yeah it was a it was a long week for me i had to travel the next day two days later or something like that yeah and i played pickup soccer it was a long wednesday night Played yeah. pickup at Five Point Station, went out, uh, had a quick beer with Kelly and the gang, and then uh, 
yeah, went back and I got home right before kickoff, which was great. Good what about work, you, Dan? Kevin. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. I watched everything. I will admit that at 4-1, I did close out of the Twitter feed, but then it, I was scrolling through my timeline and the video came up and the guy was still, the ref was still looking at the screen and I was like, what? <laughs> so I quickly chewed right back in. Well, and for, there me, we were. for me at 3-1, I was like, well, I think this is pretty much over. And then yeah. at 4-1, because I was watching it in bed, because uh, it was streaming through Twitter. So what I did was I just like sat the phone down and laid there. And even though I wasn't watching it, I still had the headphones in listening to it. And then I heard that it was being reviewed and, and suddenly just sat up and had to watch the <laughs> rest of the moments play out. And I was right back into it. And then the rest of it, you guys know what happened. Yeah, yeah. which we'll, we'll get to that. In, in just a few minutes, we're going to do some housekeeping as per usual. Thank you guys for tuning in on YouTube. If you guys are watching us live, make sure you hit the subscribe button and that little notification bell icon so you guys get alerted whenever we do go live, especially on off nights like tonight. Thank you guys for joining us. If you guys so, are listening to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher, make sure to leave us a rating and or a review. We will read your reviews. New, right? Nothing new. Slacking. Start, can we, still can we give one shout out to uh, the dedicated Keith Filer in the in the trap? I know you already mentioned this, but he's out of power, and he's on, so we're on his phone. So I'm only assuming that he's using the last few mega bars of battery to watch this shit show. Yeah, shout out to you, Keith Filer. I'm yeah. gonna wait another 15 minutes, and then I'm gonna make sure that we shout out Keith Filer for uh, <laughs> tuning in without power tonight. And <laughs> uh, another special shout out to the original homie, the first speaking of iTunes review, reviews, the first review Dude, on iTunes. Yeah. Richard Gordon saw him out. Exactly. We, we got through the gates on Saturday. <laughs> that was my favorite. And I saw him, and I was like, Richard. And I get over to there, get over to him. Uh, say what's up. He, you know, we all get together, get a picture. No, you oh. went over to him and said what's up. And I was none the wiser. And then you came back over and said that you had seen him. And so then I walked over and he just lit up like a Christmas tree. He's like, all y'all out here? <laughs> we did have a fun experience. We got to take one of our best friends to his first Atlanta United game, which is always special. A um, couple of housekeeping notes. So actually, don't what did, think it, what did you think of it? Oh, he, he absolutely loved it. Yeah. It was... Uh, He's he's kind of he's the person that's responsible for my interest in soccer to same. begin with, yeah, and same with with Kevin, and it was it was an absolute blast to just see the kind of the awe in his face. He had a he had a really good time, just like most people, especially in a game where we had seventy two thousand. There weren't really seventy two thousand people there. <laughs> no, I wonder where my interest or life would trajectory would have gone had it not been for Matthew getting me interested in soccer. Specifically, I wonder where my weight trajectory would have oh, gone no. had we, Matthew not gotten me interested in soccer in high school. There would have been a lot more 12-hour Tony Hawk pro skater <laughs> game, uh, days. I'd be primary My biologic intake or uh, composition would be somewhere in the 30 to 40% range, just red bean and cheese chimichangas at this point. <laughs> Monterey does Oof. make some good shit, though. All right. Uh, actually, I guess I forgot my phone. That's fine. I was going to look it's up right the, the fantasy standings. Oh, it is? Oh, cool. Uh, I'm going to pull up the fantasy standings really quick to plow through those. I imagine that Nathan Lyons is in number one still. or num- He is in number one. Oh, uh, good, good point, Dirty Bird. Uh, NYC 
and Open Cup final games are on right now. So keep us posted. Uh, looks like NYC scored. Keep us posted on the scores of both of those games if you guys haven't pulled up. All right, number one, FC Apogee sitting steady with another uh, great week. He's sitting at 100, 912 points. Nathan Lines, the aforementioned. Number two, climbing the charts, we got our buddy Andy Watkins. Talk about an original homie. Soccer-specific fantasy team in second place. He is, if my math serves correct, he is 53 points off the top. And he will be on next week with us. Yeah, on Monday. The winner of our most, uh, the highest contribution to our Soccer on the Streets campaign for Clarkson FC earlier this season. Yeah. We'll also have, uh, we haven't scheduled it yet, but we'll have Jacob Benson on sometime soon, too. We reached out to him <laughs> in DM. We just got to schedule it. Yeah. And number three, we have the NYCFC fan, Transmission FC, Andrew Kolk. And then everybody hold on to your butts because look who's in number four. Jacob F. Benson. Yep. John F. Beasy Stats and Trends is plowing his way up to uh, to that top five. And then Black job, Jeremiah. in number five, Kyle Cram. And then Varvar Banks. I'm disappointed, Kevin Gorham. You dropped down to sixth. Yeah. I'm not a very I'm disappointed dad right now. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Have you got to say that to the new to your new son yet, Dan? No, but I've said it a lot to my uh, older children. <laughs> Not mad, just disappointed. Just disappointed. Yeah. All right. So I said keep up with the scores, and now we're getting conflicting scores. No. Okay, that's both. So Dynamo are up, and then uh, NYC's up. Yeah. So one nil in both of those games. You can't can't mention uh, home before dark faithful without Brittany S. She just joined us of in the course. live chat. Yeah. Who are we pulling for in the Open Cup final? Who is it? Houston and who? Philadelphia. Oh. I don't care. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> um, actually, no. I really didn't like the way Philly played against us. I, I like CJ Sapong a lot. I think Andre Blake's great. But the way that how childish Bedoya and Madunian were against us, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I really like Albert, Albert Thelise from uh, from Houston. Yeah. Black Panther. He's oh, fucking awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they've kind of had their season just yeah. tank, right? I mean, they're sitting... They're not in a playoff position, correct, Dan? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Houston Dynamo, they No, are, they are far off. No, the mark. they're not. Yeah. They're like at least 10 points out. Hey, Josh, uh, Josh Bagransky's in the trap tonight. Whoa. With the Mouths of the South boys. Oh, yeah. Hey, isn't your he show really What bored. are you doing here? <laughs> You're actually on the radio tonight. I think you have better things to be doing than sitting in here talking to us. Does Eric know that you were in watching <laughs> us? Are you guys stealing content as you guys are on the radio? <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, I guess I'll say Houston as well. I don't really have a dog in the fight either way. Obviously, I want NYC to lose, but that's they're not going to close the gap at this point. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I think NYC is still going to salvage out the rest of their season, though, and stay in third, which we talked about last week. You think so? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess I could see that. I mean, Philly is surging. I, I would be interested to see where they end up in this in this whole race. Because they cut out. Who are you talking about? Phillies. Phillies won five straight. Correct. They have won two straight with a draw in in the middle of another three wins. Right. Uh, a draw and a loss. 
I don't know why I was thinking like that. Five wins. I, we had the they same went on, No, well, Tim, week. they went on like a five-win uh, streak. Then they drew with Orlando 2-2, and then they got spanked by Montreal 4-1. Got but it. Then they beat the Sounders, and then they beat SKC, which is uh, pretty no mean feat. Yeah. That said, though, I mean, they're, I mean, with four games left to play, they are only four points back of NYCFC, and they're only a single point away from a home playoff game. Yeah. Well, NYCFC just scored again, so it's 2 0 there. Well. All right. Well, they can take those points. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we opened up talking about it with show of hands of who watched the game last week. So let's go ahead and talk about the game last week to open up the show. I think we'll have a little bit more on our minds from this past weekend and a little bit more to talk about a little bit of a haze as far as specifics go from last week's game on Wednesday, not only because of the time that it was played, but just the time that's passed since Dan, what were your thoughts about it? Well, it reminded me of a certain Manchester United Champions League final against Bayern Munich where the whole game they played 1-0 down and then came back to win it in the last two minutes of overtime or extra time to 2-1. Uh, it was an awful game. We played, we were so bad, uh, but we still managed to grind out the win, which was absolutely fantastic. But that lineup, uh, that fucking lineup, <laughs> good God. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. 4 3 3? Yeah. I'm not too, I don't know if you guys experienced it, but every single like app that was having a lineup was putting a front three of T2, Martinez, and Rometty. Oh, yeah. That, that's what I was seeing too. <laughs> so that was crazy. Yeah. But I thought, I mean, Oh, Gressel had a shocking game. He was so bad. Um, he, I mean, he got well, he got that assist for Tito's first goal. But other, than, I mean, I think he got fifty six percent passing percentage, which is, I think, that's one of the worst um, I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but I mean, just the elation of getting that fourth goal, I felt kind of bad, but. I mean, it's not like we cheated or anything. No, it was good to be. I don't think that we've had one of those yet, have we? Have we had any that we've won in stoppage time yet? Uh, the Orlando game, last game at Bobby Dodd. No, we didn't win that. We no, tied that was it. a draw, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we equalized in the last Right, but we haven't had time. one that we've won. No. We haven't had a game that we've won in stoppage time, and we haven't had a game where we've come back from being more than a point down. To come back from being three points down. <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, Almost. It, yeah. It, almost, to, to, again, to mention Brittany, yeah, she mentioned last week in the in the trap, she said she wanted to see Wondolowski break the record last week. You almost got your wish in an Atlanta is, United win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was as close as I really wanted that to, to come. Um, yeah, obviously handball kind of derailed that, right? Yeah, so let's let's huddle up about that. Thoughts on the fact we saw it happen a couple of months ago and we made note of it where VAR, the way it's written, is that the official cannot go back to review the play until the ball has gone out of the field of play, essentially. So if 
an event takes place or transpires and run of play continues, even if it's for 10 minutes without going out of bounds or a foul being called, the ref can still go back and review the play that happened 10 minutes prior. A month or so ago, we saw it happen in the uh, River Derby and NYC, I think it was, had a play where they moved it all the way down to the other end of the field. They had a scoring opportunity that got deflected and um, they ultimately didn't put in the goal, but the ball was reviewed and went back to the other side of the field where a free kick was awarded and uh, New York Red Bulls, I think that was the way it transpired had an opportunity to take a free kick on goal at that point in time. This is the first time we've seen it take place where the opposing team has transferred possession and then gone to the other end of the field, scored to stop the run of play, and then the official used that as the ability to stop the run of play or stop and review the previous missed handball. All that said, in that amount of time, a minute and a half transpired of play, which a lot of people are debating what is an adequate amount of time to let take place. Is it is it correct in the way that it's set up now that it has to be that the ball goes out of play before the ref can make the decision to go to VAR? Is it a length of time thing? What are your thoughts on the way it's structured currently? Wait, I thought the... Um the amount of play was more like 30 seconds, but the amount of time that kind of passed uh, between until he awarded the penalty was like a, almost two minutes. Uh, it, it was it was a good bit of time either way. Um, whether it was 30 seconds or a minute and a half, it was still a good bit of time that the ball was pinging around and possession transferring. I mean, the players all had given up on anything taking place. and Well, that's true. <laughs> For all, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I kind of forgot that it took place. Just even though it was whether it was thirty seconds or a minute and thirty seconds, it was long enough that the players and some of the spectators completely forgot it happened. I think we had a similar situation happen at Mercedes Benz in one of the first few games that we played in that really crazy stretch. And I can't remember if it was against. Uh, shit, who did we play? It might have been L.A. or New, uh, New England or one of those teams where I think there was a handball that was in the box against them, wasn't called, ball gets down to our end after like a minute, and they, it finally goes out of play, and then we see the referee go back and make that decision. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn about it. This is one of the hard parts about VAR is whenever you have these corner cases that happen. I mean, the odds of this happening... Like you, I mean, it's what twice so far, really, this season that there have been yeah. two pronounced incidences of this. I don't know that it's enough to really warrant a rule change, but if it if it were, I I think at a certain instant or an instance, I mean, the VAR is there to consult with the referee that's on the field to say, I think you might need to go look at this. Yeah. Usually, I, I I don't know what the conversion rate is, but typically those are overturned or. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason they went to VAR is called, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, they thought it was a handball, they go and look. It's usually a handball. I don't know how much that's changed. You know, I've, I've missed quite a few MLS games this year. So, uh, but to me, the only way to really do this is to treat it, this is going to sound stupid, and I'm, I'm fully aware of that, treat it like a head injury where you go ahead and blow dead. I mean, if, if the VAR is that confident that something happened 
that you're going to judge a foul. I think at that point, it's okay to, to whistle down and say, we need to stop play so that we don't have an incident happen like this where what Chris Wondolowski scores. start to really affect the pace of play. Well, you give it yeah. a timer, right? Like maybe, maybe you do set a timer. Maybe yeah. that's what happens. You set a 30-second timer or, I mean... So what... The only, go ahead, Dan. So in, in, if that happens, though, um, the ref is the one who's saying, okay, I'm going to go take a... He's going to decide whether Ooh. he's going to take a look at VAR. So if he t- decides to take a look at VAR and decides that VAR is wrong and he's not going to change the the ruling or whatever, then you've just blown the play dead when really nothing happened. Yeah, I, Richard Gordon's got a really good idea. Uh, I think they should have some kind of signal, like a flag that goes up to let it be known that there's a pending infraction. So like hockey. I mean, where we're, we're looking at in, in soccer, typically whenever a referee sees the sees a foul and plays advantage, I mean, in hockey, typically that advantage... Well, it's almost like a flag in football. You know, it, it's... Oh, that's true. You know, yeah. like you get a flag for offsides... But the offense still has the opportunity to run okay. the play out and then accept the penalty or not so at when, the end of it. But you know that something is unless it's a false start that blows it dead, like something like an offsides where they'll throw the flag but they won't stop play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so what do you do in that instance, Dan? Like, if we were to go with something like that, where there is a delayed ruling, where we're looking at this and maybe we put the the ruling in the hands of the VAR at that point or something like that. But what happens? When you do have a situation like last Wednesday when Wondolowski scores that goal. Or what if what if Wondolowski takes it down and takes a shot on goal and somebody throws their hands up and swats the ball down? And VAR or or it's a or, that's probably more blatant, but what if somebody <laughs> but still, I mean, because the VAR review takes precedent, right? Because then it wipes away everything that takes place subsequent to that. So if Wondolowski takes it down there and there's some sort of exchange and somebody gets a red card, does that get wiped away whenever you go back and award the PK? Yeah, because everything's wiped away. Right. That's the hard part, right, Dan? Is that yeah. if I, there's I, an infraction that takes place, you, you're, you're taking like you're kind of creating a hypothetical, right? Because you're, you're saying... Well, this foul would have stopped play, so we're going to completely wipe away everything that happened after the fact. Well, my fear is that it encourages players to do unnecessary fouls to stop play. Like I do in FIFA. Yeah, I do that in FIFA all the time. But if players are going to do that, they will be retroactively fined and suspended. Yes, for sure. That's true. So, but the, I mean, even if they do do something like if they jump up and swat the ball away, it's not going to count because, you know, somebody scored a goal and that didn't count. Which, so I, I kind of feel like if they're going to stop letting goals count, then you can kind of do whatever you want, and it's not going to count. Uh, so um, Brian says the simplest solution might be to just get rid of it altogether. I don't think that's the right case. I think we've seen enough good come of it. This one being in our favor, I think, is one of those instances. Uh, I think we've seen enough good out of VAR to warrant it remaining in the game I think that there are still a lot of growing pains associated with it that are yet to be worked out. I think that it may be a situation where we've seen fouls get called that weren't previously called 
based on VAR. I feel like that has to be called by the ref and then upheld or overturned, not the other way around, where the ref is then relying on VAR to decide intent and all of that. Handball, I think, is a different thing altogether because it's easy for the ref to miss something like that based on his perspective or his angle to not be able to see something. I think that's perfectly acceptable for the officials uh, in the booth to radio down to him and say, you might want to take another look at that. I don't think VAR is going away. I don't either. Um, no. I actually, I think because like in 10 years time, we're not going to be talking about, well, why don't they get rid of VAR? Well, it's, I mean, it's, that's just not going to happen. It's just going to be accepted as part of the game. It's just a, it's just part of how the game's evolving to the modern era. Uh, but the other thing is, oh, damn it. I completely lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, if you have if you put a flag up or something, then players on the field are going to see that. So you know, then they could do stuff like just kick the ball out of bounds well, because they know something. Well, that's what uh, what, what game was that that happened uh, against Atlanta? Where I forget who it was that was wasting time, wouldn't take the corner kick, basically forcing the ref's hand. Yeah, to, yeah absolutely. I think to it was Costa Rica or something. Well, it was probably the Germans. Yeah, I could see the Germans. What game was that that happened this year? Was that Philly? Yeah, I think it was Philly. Right? Yeah, because Bedoya wasn't he? He was yeah, time wasting to try was, and get that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Philly. Yeah, or, uh, or Cl- actually Clayton, Clayton, Clayton says Seattle. Yeah, saying Seattle. That's right. That rem- that makes me think. I think it was Ladero that was doing all that time wasting. Yeah. Oh, it's not yeah. a surprise. Everybody, so, <laughs> everybody just one piling thing, on. One thing um, I think that would really help. VAR is increasing the understanding of the fans and people watching the game of what's happening. So if you actually showed on TV what the ref is looking at, then you can see, okay, well, that's instantly you know what he's looking at rather than just having a stupid still shot of some idiot looking at a video screen. And then you could, I don't in the NFL when they're reviewing a play, they play it on the Jumbotron as well? Yeah, they do. And the other thing that's confusing about VAR is that the officials have different camera angles that they don't even have in the um, like the booth for the telecast or whatever. They'll say, right. you know, they have different angles that we don't even have access to, which I think should not be the case <laughs> because that just yeah. adds to the confusion. No, not just that. It adds to speculative uh, anger, I guess, because people watching at home are going to get pissed because they don't have that angle that was, let's say they do have a clear and obvious angle that, you know, the, the angles that Eric Quintana gets that are clear and obvious <laughs> out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people echoing the same sentiments about VAR. It's not going away. Clayton Paw saying that it's, um, what did he say? VR is just going to have its moments just like any review system. I'm fine with that. My problem is, the, the the time limits, I know Brittany asked why VAR takes so long, which we saw early on in the season. It was taking less time, and it seems like they're reverting back to last season where it is taking them more time. So it's just, I think we're going to get our bearings. It's, I don't know, a lot of people in the chat talking never, about referees not being good enough for this. and There's never going to be a solution that fits everybody or works the best for everybody somebody is always going to be at the losing end of a decision that's just the reality of it my problem dan is that a referee in soccer has much 
a much different responsibility than so many referees otherwise. I think that subjectivity comes into play with infractions in soccer more so than it does in any others. Yeah. Like there is um like in basketball, I mean it happens occasionally with with shooting fouls and in that, but I mean traveling is typically traveling, double dribble is typically double dribble, stepping out of bounds is typically they're they're not going to miss that, and and the same thing goes for flagrant fouls and things of that nature. But in soccer, it's like handball. Handball is a I perfect pa- example. I think pass interference is kind of getting pretty close to that. Oh, <laughs> Where it's just yeah. up to the way the ref right. feels. Um, <laughs> What's a tackle? What's a catch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think part of this is the transition between. Um, just the transition between eras. So as we, as our technology gets more advanced, we're able to, um, we're able to track uh, a lot of variables that were previously unable to be tracked. So uh, for something like baseball, that's really easy to track any sort of like stat stat that you want. Uh, but because soccer is so fluid, uh, it's it's a lot more difficult to do that. So back in like the 1930s, all you knew of guys was how many goals they've scored, if you knew that. Um, but now we're able to track, you know, how many, how much, how much distances did a guy run around the field in a game? Like where are passes coming from? I mean, there's so much more stats that we can track. And I feel like it's just an, we're in those awkward teenage years of... <laughs> We're in those awkward teenage years of just coming to terms with it and letting it being smoothed out into the game so it's not noticeable anymore. Yeah, it's not ruining the game for me. I mean, benefits aside from last week, I, I still, to me, it's... It just depends. I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it really hinder the viewing experience. I've seen it benefit it and benefit the game, especially whenever you're on the winning side of it. But being a impartial third party to the Orlando DC United game as third party as you can get as like impartial as you can get the end of that game to those that remember the last 15 20 minutes of that game the ball didn't go out of play without them going back to VAR and that I think that's the fear is that it does become something like that that it can hinder the pace of play or something like that so while I agree, overall, it's not ruined my experience. I think it has the potential to if we do get too critical or too, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, reliant on it, I guess. so. Use it as a crutch. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I don't see that happening right now. So, um, yeah, the hope is that PRO or wh- whomever is, or whoever is the refereeing body going forward needs to be able to reprimand referees that do that yeah because we do see that happening so let's talk about the the good parts of this game let's get away from var not a whole not a whole lot of them well fought back and showed the mental fortitude to fight back from being down i mean we joke about being down three goals but in all seriousness being down two goals uh going into the half i thought that goal by vialba was I mean, that was a Vialba goal. That seems to be his... If you were to come up with a drawing or a diagram or some sort of snapshot of the picturesque Vialba goal, he's done it 
multiple times against Orlando. Happens again last week. That shot from th- right outside the 18, just putting it opposite post in the side net, manages to pull it out, give Atlanta a fighting chance going into half, being down 2-1. And um, we, I think we all expected to see a little bit of a momentum change coming out in the second half. Doesn't necessarily go that way. Atlanta falls down two points at that point in time. And to see them not get their heads down and not give up and then to play through it, yes, they got a little bit of help along the way to help bring them back, but they still needed to put up those other two goals, uh, especially the one at the very end by Martinez. I think that's a really, really big positive to talk about this team. Yeah, I that Tito goal just they just like that one two against Orlando have just come out of nowhere. It's just yeah. it just lifts your spirits so much. <laughs> and I love him for it. He's he's he wasn't my favorite player last year or maybe towards the end, but now he's really growing a place in my heart. So, uh Really good discussion going on in the trap right now between goal of the week, between Martinez's goal, or not Martinez, Vialba's goal and uh, Gressel's goal. If you had to make a choice between the two, which one would it be for you guys? Oh, it's Tito's. Dan? Yeah, I'd have to go Tito too. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. Well, the the thing that you, you say it's a, it was it was a Tito goal, I think just because of the distance that it was at, but it was so much more finesse than power as opposed yeah. to the Montreal goal or the the Orlando goal that yeah. he scored down down in Orlando. Yeah. It was Gressel had Gressel had so much time to take that shot as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was so, it, 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 We all saw Gressel's. It's like, "Oh, he's got it." It's just picture perfect had time to settle it put it in front of him and just put it away uh yeah tito just puts that one in in the only way he can out of nowhere (laughs) yeah it's crazy so so for i know we don't really care about it but mls goal of the week who would you guys choose between gressel tito i think a tie got one and um oh damn it what is his name varco Varco, is that some weird new? No, that's pun? Uh, San Jose. The San Jose goal. I didn't. Yeah, see, to goal. be honest, Dan, I didn't. I didn't see any of them. If Atlanta's up to be voted for, that's the one that gets my vote. I don't even bother looking at the other ones. So it, it was the third San Jose goal that they scored against us, where he dribbled around. Our oh, entire defense. yeah, that one was embarrassing. Where he just, I mean, just cut through all three of our defenders at that point in time, and then just slotted it away. Yeah, that was demoralizing. That, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would still put up Tito's, obviously. Yeah, I actually really thought San Jose scored some pretty nice goals. I thought Hosen's goal, uh, their second goal, was so audacious. Just putting that that chip over Parkhurst and Guzan. I thought Parkhurst gave him way too much space. Yeah. It yep. was that was pretty special. I was like, God damn it, that's a good goal. No, it was great. I mean the composure that Husen had to do that was it was crazy. I mean to, yeah, to 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 get there on the counter and then to just boss Especially Michael Parkhurst when like everybody that. Everybody thought the play was over. And then to fake and then calmly just all right, I'm gonna go top corner with this. Yeah. Yeah. Just I'm gonna chip this from yeah. inside the box yeah. into the top. Yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty special. Um, 
The what else from that game? Bill Bill Holcomb mentioned a good point, and I think statistically hey, we it did. holds up. I think we did really dominate that game, and it just, they just I, got I, us on some counters. But it's still tough to watch that take place where you've got to be better than that because it wasn't all just quick counters and catching us out of position. That That third goal is a prime example of that where he cut three defenders that were all in a position to make a play and then slotted it past Guzan. It was just bad, bad, bad performance um, in moments where you, you've got to be better and make better plays. So the, Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing to me was they're the worst team in the league. And I can't remember who said it on Twitter. We played the best version of that team probably anybody's played all season because well, they got up for that game. Well, they got up for that game because they have a new coach. They've got a, their new interim. Steve head. Ralston. I saw, new... I saw him. I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, I was got... like, oh, shit, he's from those like New England Revolution teams with Taylor Twellman and Charlie Joseph. And, and that's uh, what a lot of people were thinking was he, they've got their new interim head coach. These guys are going to come out, show out against the best, and try to prove something. And I think they did every bit of that. And hats off to them. They came up short. I'm glad that Atlanta came out on the better end of it. But uh, it was a hell of a performance by them. So. Yeah, I yeah, um, was. It- just a- again, 19 shots. One of our goals was a PK. Yeah, just better conversion rate than we've had. But at the same time, it's just chickens coming home to roost with, with missed chances, too. Yeah, we are. I mean, to Keith Eiler and Kelly's points, I mean, every team is going to play their best against Atlanta. It is the the best way I can describe it is it is the Bama simplex or uh complex simplex Simplex complex herpes simplex gross no i meant to say complex um where we're the best and everybody wants to take their shot to take us down and they're gonna throw everything they can at us and we saw that in full effect last week so looking good job good job san jose but you still lost i like your little triceratops you have on your mic dan oh thanks man what? I didn't see that. Yeah. I don't have it it's up okay, on the, the oh, TV well. right now. It's probably for the best. All right. Now on to, yeah, Freudian slip, Bill. That was definitely it. <laughs> it's incurable. <laughs> Freud's lip. That's where Freudian's lip is where yeah. the herpes simplex That's usually lands. Where it li- it's where it Man, lands. I'm getting a lot of comments on my hair today, which is very strange. It doesn't look very good. I left. I got a new person. <laughs> I love cut it. that Michelle just asked if you're wearing a George Best hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone else was saying that it looks like the best Alabama haircut they've ever seen. Uh, oh yeah, Bill. I think Bill said you're rocking Bama bangs right now. <laughs> Bill, Bill H. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I think that's what our, what we had in middle school and high school. Whenever the the redneck kids would shave their head except for their bangs, and then they would dye their bangs blonde. Yeah. All right, so this past weekend against RSL, we always start off these conversations with the lineup, and no better game to uh-huh. discuss that than the lineup Dan, we saw this past weekend. Dan, you might want to tune out for this. Yeah, so you guys have completely taken – you've taken one little thing and oh, you've blown it up, oh, which is not comes. even true. Here it comes. Because you can't just, just – backpedal your way out of it 
I'm not backpedaling. Go go re-listen to that show. You were trying to say just because someone had one good game at ATL2 that they should be awarded with putting on the bench. You know it's so illegal. That's, that's not great. You know it's illegal to backpedal so much that you wear down your odometer. You you reverse your odometer, right? Yeah. There. I think I think this That's fraud. I think this needs a VAR <laughs> right now because I'm pretty sure you were saying that he needed to play at least this entire season with Atlanta United 2 then maybe you'd consider him putting him into the 18 no, no, after no. a couple more he, years. He has to go on experience. loan. He has to go on loan to Charleston Battery yep. for 3 years and then come back, maybe go play for Nashville SC and then come and maybe supplant Chris McCann. And, and Pellows, mellow yellow fellows. I mean, he's basically played a season though. I mean, basically has not played a season at in ATL senior team. Well, you I mean, know what? We, we, he came and played with the in the fifth, the fifth to last game of the season. So well, we're not throwing him in in week three like you were suggesting. You know, we've let him develop, and now we're playing him. I think he would have been great then, just like he was now, and I think he would be better now had he been in the eighteen then, because it would have boosted his confidence could have a little worse. bit more, and then he would have had that he would have had that edge and that drive. So yeah. well, that would have been cool if that actually happened, but it didn't. Yeah, well, you know what did happen? <laughs> he got the call up this weekend, and it was fucking great. It was fucking great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep having he, he he played so good. It's uh, hashtag Bellows Boys. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I keep having the little Bow Wow Ghetto Girls hook in my head, but <laughs> Bellow Boys, <laughs> just all day, just all day, every day. Yeah, just to go back to the lineup, we had a three-five-two with uh, obviously Guzan, uh, LGP, Larry, and then Escobar in the back. And yeah, then, yep. So yeah. healthy Escobar starting and George Bellow in the backfield. Well, I guess was, it was a three four two one is what it looked like yeah. whenever you actually put it on the field with uh with Bellow and, and Gressel playing uh wing backs and then Nagby and Rometty just dominating shit in the midfield. The uh yeah, Tito and and then Miggy and then Yeah, uh, wasn't Joseph. that wasn't that great to see uh Rometty, Nagby and Jeff all together on the field? Shit, it yeah, really it was. was. It really was. So um, let's let's go ahead and start with the conversation about Bellow. I think that's going to take the bulk of the conversation. I like that. Oda la, la Bellow boys. Oda la Bellow boys. Oh my god! Oh, I love it. So, yeah, um, kids a beast. So yeah, I I think that. The sky's the limit for him. I think that his inexperience showed in the second half, not necessarily in his run of play, but in his stamina and capacity to run full clip for a full 90 minutes at that level of play. So other than that, I felt like he was consistently making plays both on the back line and moving the ball forward for a lot of really fun and dynamic link-up play with Martinez, specifically up top. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's my biggest concern is just some of his stamina and endurance that he'll develop and grow into um, as he plays more. No, I agree. The second half, for sure. I mean, it, like you said, his stamina was not up to snuff because he's fast. He has that pace to track back, but he got caught out a few times. 
not that playing wing back you didn't necessarily have to uh that you necessarily have to be on your man at all times he did have trouble getting back to get pair or to get in front of the man a couple times he still played well enough uh, i don't know what you thought dan but whenever he did get caught out and running those guys down getting side by side with them not in front of them but side by side with them enough to force them to take a shot from a bad angle so it wasn't necessarily he still made up for for some of his lapses in the second half i thought yeah his decision making was fantastic he was he would he would play the ball with his first touch and it would go right to where he was intending to go um i really wish that uh he would have got a better first touch to from the cross from well the the pass from martinez where bello was able to oh, charge into God, the box i thought he was gonna slot that in and the I stadium know. would have erupted it would have gone absolutely crazy there is um a really good thread that joe patrick tweeted out from scuffed at z-l-e-b-m-a-d-a and they put together a a really huge series of gifs which shows and commentary which shows some of the plays that bellow put together on the field it's a really actually it's probably the most in-depth analysis i've seen on twitter and it's it's a really interesting thread so you should probably go check that out uh yeah it's got a ton of potential i cannot wait to see him next season as he will probably be starting before i forget i do want to back up to before the game started um, the flag that Domer had put together, despite how great it looked, and those feeble little arms of DeAndre who could not wave it for the full 90 minutes. If we're going to talk about stamina and players getting a call up, there's no player I'm more disappointed in than uh, DeAndre for not waving that Unite flag for the full 90 minutes. Every time I looked over to that supporter section, it just seemed limp and half there. So uh, I think that you've got some – maybe we need to take you down to the twos, let you develop a little bit more. Um, but even the best, Domer said that those big four-meter by four-meter flags were tough to wave for the entire game. But it was really cool to see the new flags. And then I don't know if it was part of the reason why or inspiration it why. Was, uh, I'm going to ruin it for you. What was it? It's not. I don't think it was. It was Jay. Jay. His Jay's nothing's going to stop us. Oh, okay. His, his using that the spike as a totally microphone. That is totally fine with me. Yeah. But either way, it was really cool to see the flag up uh, with the three Cs that I had put together and then the TIFO design, which was really similar to that, and I had no idea about it. So so I, I, I'll cut DeAndre a little slack because you nope. won't. Joe Johnstone says he <laughs> waved it for a full 30 <laughs> minutes before the game. <laughs> We love you, DeAndre. Uh, We're just giving love you the shit. Hell out of yeah, you, we. Yeah. Um, I got a, yeah, it was I really got a magnet with your name on it. By the way, I'll bring it to pick up tomorrow. Um, if you're listening to this, and give it to you for waving it. Yeah, we had a champion. Our flag, Angie's flag, was out there. A couple other ones. Yeah. Hey, Joe Johnson. Johnson says he has video proof, so he needs to uh, tweet he that did. at us. He did. He tweeted it to us. He did oh, tweet he did? it to us. You would know if you were competent at internet or technology oh well i'm not competent at that so <laughs> all right speaking of another tweet we got bill holcomb our buddy homie sent us a suggestion on monday to chat about which we were going to chat about anyway and somebody brought up whether or not there's word on garza right now i don't remember who asked that if there was word on garza 
Anyway, Bill Holcomb asking what happens with Garza in this Bello uh, scenario. What what happens? Do we trade? Do we we hold on to Bello? Obviously, I mean, I I thought that we could. We I, have Bello can't trade. Ne- we can't trade him next year, right? Isn't he with <sighs> us for at least one more year? We, can, we could. I think we can actually sell him tomorrow, and he just would not be able to make his debut for another team until he was um, eighteen. But then again, it's it's. I think I don't know that Garza is going to be here for two more years if he can stay. I have real concerns about Garza staying healthy. Well, I think okay. So here's here's my opinion on this. I love Greg Garza to death. I, I thought that he was crucial last season. I thought he was great again in the beginning of this season. He fits this team really well whenever he's healthy. The problem is again is health. But then the other problem is we have George Bello, who I'm going to go ahead and say it and and. I don't care if it's a hot take or what. He will be the starting men's national team left back over Anthony Robinson in say like two years. Yeah, I think that he is he is playing full full minutes um, and getting call ups every single time U.S. men's national team has games. We have Jose Hernandez who came in and looked pretty damn serviceable in that little bit of time that we saw him. I mean, there wasn't yes, a whole lot that way, but whenever it did come his way, he looked competent. He looked fine. He's fast enough. He's 21 years old, I think. 21, 22 years old. Yep, sounds good. No need to necessarily keep Garza in this situation. I think that it, it makes sense if you're able to offload him for some TAM because he has a hefty contract. From I what like I Brian Diefenbach's uh, suggestion and some of the others that I, I don't think this is a discussion about Garza or Bello as much as it is there's no reason to keep McCann at this point. That Bello could potentially end up being your number two you don't have to make that decision right now. If you've got him for another year, you delay it until the end of next year, allow Garza to build up his stock and potentially get rid of Garza after next season. Let him get healthy, let him play consistently, let Bello develop, and then Bello is your starter going into the 2020 season. Why, though? I, I don't. I know I'm a hashtag player kids guy, but there's nothing to me that says. At this point, let's see. I guess we'll see in the next four weeks of the season what happens with George Bello. I guess even further. I mean, I, we just got our playoff tickets. Did you get yours? I guess so. <laughs> if you're a season ticket holder, <laughs> they kind of they kind of slyly uh, sent us an email and they're like, "Hey, just keep on doing what you're doing and you'll get debited for the first playoff game of the season." It's on my credit card. Yeah. So. Any, anyway. There's nothing to me outside of a, a precipitous drop in form from George Bellow over the next four weeks and then into the playoffs that tells me that he's at all worse in any facet than, than Greg Garza is. But again, it goes back to you've got to think about your depth at that position. So you're so if you get rid of Garza, then you're going to put Bellow in and keep McCann as your number two? No, I'm going to keep Jose Hernandez as my number two. I don't... McCann is better served to me as a center back in in a back three. Oh, I don't know. I liked it. I very much. I'm sorry. He had a, he had a, he had a rough start to that whenever we were playing the three, five, two, but then he quickly became a viable wow. option back there. Okay. Regardless, Jose Hernandez is your number two behind George Bello. And you could trade away Greg Garza for Tam and Gam, whatever you want to do. I don't do. know. I mean, I'm interested to see what Dan says because we've only seen Hernandez play for a minimal amount of time. And by his standards, he needs at least 10,000 hours to be able to play. That's, I mean, that's Malcolm Gladwell said that. No, Dan Gladwell. <laughs> I wish he had, like, I'm can we get Dan? Speaking so of Dan's hair, 
Can we get Dan to get the Malcolm Gladwell hair? Getting a little curly. I'm just going to shave it all off. Do it, man. <laughs> uh, so, I, th- what I hate about McCann is he's really expensive. Uh, also, what I hate about McCann is he's been kind of serviceable. Uh, he also can fit in. He can service oh, you at lap, lap, left back. He can service you at uh, center midfield uh, and as a center back in the three five two. So. I if we I don't but I don't want to pay the type of money that we're paying for him. I, because I forgot about it. Ambrose is my backup. Hernandez I'm not sold on quite yet. Okay, three left backs is three more than most teams in MLS have. That's one of the hardest positions for you to fill. Well, in a right competent... now we've got five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I I am saying I agree with you, Tim, but not because of Hernandez as the argument, but because of Ambrose as the argument. If you say that you've got Ambrose and Bello as your one-two versus Bello and Hernandez as Ambrose your Ambrose is your number one? No, I'm okay. not saying that. I'm Alphabetically just saying, speaking. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's a better argument than Bello and Hernandez is for me, personally. Okay. I don't know that we have to con- We don't have to worry that much about Caprum next year. I, I, we'll have to concede the fact that Miggy is going to go to Europe, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. We're going to have to concede that Joseph is going to Europe next season. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on that one yet. Well, Tata said that he... If Tata leaves, Joseph's gone. If Tata stays, I think Joseph stays. He said that his mission was in two years to get Joseph back to Europe. I know he said that. And I think that Joseph is going to go to Europe. I think just stay away from Italy. I think... Finish your points. No, I was just going to say, I don't know that we're really going to be strapped for cash. So it's not necessarily that we have to trade Garza away for that. But we're, So we're going to have a lot in the, in the salary cap. because we Unless have a, they take away a DP slot like they're talking about, which Bill Holcomb mentions. There's been a lot of talk this week about, about the league. Only going to a two going DP to slot? Going to a two DP slot. I have not seen that. Yeah. I've had my that head in the sand, obviously. That is fucking stupid yep. to take away a third DP spot and raise Tam. Or what you should do is keep three DP spots and raise Tam. It's so stupid. It's we're going we're we're progressing backwards if we do that. We call that we regressing not, in the states, Dan. We should. <laughs> uh, <yeah>, okay. <laughs> should, <laughs> Sorry. Finish your point, Dan. We shouldn't be pandering to the bottom feeders of the league. Those bottom feeders will eventually be. I'm just gonna say it. They're gonna be gentrified. Well, that's why you need to have pro rail, right? No, because you don't need that. Because they get, if they're going to be gentrified, it means they're not going to be able to uh, have the cash to compete. And therefore, if MLS keeps growing in popularity... And then you're just going to move into the neighborhood and set up your Walmart and just push hip, them out. Hipsters don't like Walmart. You're going to come yeah. in and tear down the Walmart so the normal man can't shop. And Put you're up gonna, a Trader Joe's. A Trader Joe's no, and I'm Nitro telling, Brew Cold Brew. and I'm telling you that Someone's, a bigger investor is either going to come in and move the team or a bigger investor is going to come in, out, buy the team, and then pump a ton of money into it. So, okay, back to your point, Tim. You were saying about the everybody that you think is going to end up leaving. Uh, Dan, well, now I, I don't know what to think. Dan, you had a follow-up to the point on Joseph. Um, so, yeah, what Tim was saying right that is right that 
uh, Tata said in two years, he promised Joseph he was going to try and get him into Europe. But the thing is, that was before everything that we've seen. And Joseph has already been to Europe once, obviously, we all know that. Uh, but he loves Atlanta, and this could be his peak. This could be his pinnacle. So if he's having such a good time here, does he want to risk that? Because Arthur Blank is going to pay him. Right. And to go back to your point about Tata saying that, have we heard Joseph come out and publicly make a declaration in the same manner that Miggy has, that Miggy has said, Europe is the destination for me. That's where I want to be. As far as I know, Joseph has not come out and made a similar claim. Tata was a, no, he his, said quite the opposite. Yeah, he said he loves Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Tata's statement was in response to somebody else making the question about him getting Joseph to go to Europe. So uh, I, I think if Tata stays, I think Joseph stays. And we should find out the Tata decision within the next week because his contract extension deadline is October 1st, I believe. That's what I've heard. So we have to, we'll find out within the next couple of days, I guess by the weekend. Well, I think that he may make the decision, but I don't necessarily know that we will find out. Like, we don't really know how hard and fast that date is. I think the team's going to need to find out. I was going to say, unless that's a league rule, oh, yeah, I've yeah. never I've never heard of a contract, like somebody publicly saying, this offer is only good until this date. Like, I don't, yeah. where is that October 1st date coming from? No, I've seen that. Just their two-year, the two-year agreement that he has with them. And then he has yeah, so, to make a decision. That them. seems very odd that the, the expiration the team, date wouldn't be after the season is over. No, no, no. It's not an expiration date of his contract. It's an expiration of date of when he needs to make a decision to pick up his option. That's it. So so he can let the team know, hey, I'm going to leave. So now you've got however many months you have to find my replacement while I pay out the rest of my contract. All right. So back to the trap here. Uh, Joe Johnstone, I'm assuming making the comment in regards to Joseph afraid of failure after success. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think that Joseph's going to be successful anywhere he goes if it's in the right system, just as much as I can say that about Miggy or any of the other talented players that we have on our lineup. Um, He's a lot closer to home for travel, for national team, loves Atlanta, super successful. He stays regardless is my thought from Keith. Um, What else do we have? Richard Gordon, without an unselfish offense playing the way Atlanta does, Joseph is not the same player. That's a really good point. Back to the comment I made before. I think a lot of the success that some of these players are finding – is based on the players around them and the way that the lineup is set and the way that the formation is set to support them, however that may be. Um, Bill Holcomb, I bet if Tata leaves, Joseph sticks around until summer, goes at the normal European transfer window. That's a good that's a good uh, call prediction there. Uh, Octavio, Mexican media have been fighting on whether or not Tata would be a good choice if those options were true. Uh, Keith Filer Tata said to Doug Robertson that he has the offer and considering it. Yeah, we know he's got the offer on the table from Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think from Atlanta, Atlanta United. United. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, other comments about the game this past weekend. So we, we covered Bello. Uh, we did kind of cover the Tata speculation. Any other comments on that? You think Tata stays or goes? If you've got to make a call right now, you think he stays or goes? Stays. I think he stays. Hmm. If you think it goes, why? The prospects of a budding you are uh, sorry, a budding Mexican national team, the amount of young talent that they have, USA being kind of down right now. Uh, I don't know. It would be weird. And I only say it's weird because he's managed two other Latin American teams in Paraguay and Argentina. But it's, it's hard because to at turn the same that time, down. to your same point, He's with an organization with an owner that's willing to spend money to attract the young, talented players that the rest of the league isn't actively pursuing to change the mindset and the landscape of the league that's clearly paying off and producing results as evident in the past two seasons. So I think that he's still finding the ability to do that may not be on a national team level, but domestically to be able to lead an entire league and to change the mindset and to put his stamp on something in a meaningful way at the origin of it, to me, that seems like a no-brainer. I think Bill's kind of articulating it better than I I do. He thinks that he goes. He says uh, Mexico has all the goods, and will, will he get another shot at a team that could win a World Cup? And that's interesting because – you have four years really to mold guys like Chucky Lozano and, and Salcido. And uh, I mean, they're ushering out kind of the old guard. I don't so, know. Can, okay. So I think if you're managing an international team, like you said, Tim, you have four years. How much more managerial time has Tata had? So he could potentially do one two three maybe four world cups so that's what um 16 years 20 16 years thank thank you kevin so he could do that is he going to be around to do 20 more years with five world cups that means you've got only a handful of chances to actually win the world cup with a mexico team um who granted, like, form is temporary, and um, I feel like it's a much harder thing to do to win a World Cup. I mean, he could be the Alex Ferguson of the MLS. Yeah. I I wonder how much that means to him. He's still relatively young when it comes to managers, but at the same time, I want to say there were were talks last year where he was saying that this was, he was going to ride this job out as his last. That's what I remember. Which seemed kind of odd at the time because I think he's 53, 54 years old, 55. something like that. And. 55. Does he still want to be managing at 75? No. Because the, as, the, as, more, as more popular as your. As more successful as your international team is, the more pressure that you get put on yourself, just like the pressure he had in Argentina. And he hated that. Yeah, right. Because he was, I think the problem that he had in Argentina also was just the public spotlight and how he was constantly being held under is 
being put under a magnifying glass and having to be held accountable for every little thing that he did. And even whenever they were winning, it was, why aren't you winning by more Um, stuff like that versus the adoration and love and respect that he's gotten from the community here. Um, I I don't see the reasoning for leaving. I guess others, uh, it seems to be pretty split. I, I really don't know. I, I want to give a special shout out to Gustavo Rodriguez in the live chat in the trap. I've never seen him pop up. He did give us a li- nice long thread of the um, some of the media conversations surrounding Tata. And he says 80% he stays, 20% he leaves for Argentina, 0% Mexico, Colombia, USMNT, Miami, or Newell's old boys. That's interesting because I... It, the prospects of Mexico are enticing to me, but I'm also, I, again, like I said earlier, I think it's, it would be weird to see him managing Mexico. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like his system is so, you know, it's relatively intense and you want to, you really want to get the players to play for a system and your system needs to be sustainable. It can't just be run and gun. Right. And he's built a culture. I mean, he's... I feel like you have much more control over the development, longevity, and impact of a team at a club level like Atlanta United or at a league level because you see those guys eight or nine months out of the year and you're in that locker room versus the friendlies and qualifying games that you have in the week of practice leading up to it for an international spot, um, which he's already played a role in um, that along with the cycle that Dan mentioned, it seems that his mindset is on building a culture and building something bigger rather than just an international thing to hang his hat on. What's the longest he's ever stayed in one post? Two years, I think. And that was a Barcelona or Argentina? Uh, I think... If you can go look at it, I think he was at Newell's for two. Uh, he, he's, at, he's at Paraguay for four years. Uh, so one cycle, potentially. Yeah, 2007 to 2011. And then from there, he's really never spent more than two seasons. So this is, I don't know, yeah. Do be. I think he's going to be here for eight years? No. no Do I but, think that he leaves after just two for a club that he's changing in a significant way and seeing an upward trend. A big problem with the Barcelona, which was the other club, was, again, it was the same deal with the magnifying glass. You're winning by five goals. Why aren't you winning by six? Stuff like that versus Atlanta, which is, I mean, this city and this club idolizes him in a way that it's, and then the front office as well, I don't see any reason for him to leave right now. I think we can, I think, it has an expiration date. I don't think it's much longer than that four to five year window, but I don't see it being two years personally. And I kind of see international jobs. Uh, and Tim, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to be more sort of positions that you take if either you're a younger manager and you're trying to get into a better position uh, for potential uh, suitors in, in the future. Or you're trying to get, you've had not had not the greatest success, but you're trying to get back in to a certain scene. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot more of a, a transitional role than 
something that's you know yeah more that's permanent and stable that's interesting you say that i mean england's a prime example of that and you have the exact yep. <laughs> like you have both of those scenarios playing out over and over again whenever you go from sven Jorn erickson to who roy hodgson to gareth southgate uh Steve McLaren yeah. in there at one point. Like, yeah, th- these aren't guys that you normally see. Fabio Capello. Yeah, Capello, to, to your point. I mean, and then you look at but the guys that yeah. kind of cycle around through Brazil and Portugal, between, you know, like Felipe Scolari or um, Ghost Hitting coming in, pretty much being a mercenary head coach or manager, whatever. And then he goes and tries to get a job. You know, he goes and he's caretaker at Chelsea or he goes and manages at Chelsea. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, Dan, because it really... I think it kind of ties into what's Ke- what Kevin's saying, where I think a technical director is more so going to be your long-lasting legacy-type job at a in charge of a federation, because you're going to be able to give more of a footprint there, because you're not just handling the first team, you're handling right. the youth setups, you're handling right. your scouts, you're handling all that stuff. From from a coaching standpoint, you're right. I mean, it's it's pretty limited in what you're doing from, from in your day to day. I mean, you can only. Tata loves writing up lineups, right? And he loves writing down tactics, but at the same time, that's uh, he's waiting weeks upon weeks between those those training sessions. It's going to get kind of uh, probably going to get kind of monotonous. I I don't know. I love the man to death, uh, and if he were to leave, I completely understand. I think that for everybody, there's nobody because of the success, and I feel like everybody's invested in this team and in the lineup and in the players and coaching and front office that. If anybody leaves, I absolutely wish the best for him. It was the same thing with Carmona, same thing with Assad. There's there's not a player on this team that I wish any ill will towards or don't want to see be as successful, if not more so than they were here. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge. Because better we'll, for us yeah. because we helped put them in a position to do so. We'll cross that bridge whenever we get there. Um I like what Gustavo said. He said he thinks that Mexico and Colombia are just the usual lobby. I'm guessing what he's saying is, you know, they're kind of just pumping up that job, yeah. kind of pumping up rumors and that sort of thing. The th- same things we saw. We, I don't even think we talked about it a couple weeks ago whenever they were talking about David Moyes being the successor to Tata Martino in Atlanta. It really probably was only David Moyes' PR team trying to get some, some, some publicity behind him to try and get him a high-profile job again. Um, yeah, we'll cross the bridge when we get there, I guess. Yeah. Until then, I hope it's not a distraction for anybody. I really don't think the way that he manages is going to, it's going to distract anybody in the, in the locker room. No. Cornelius, you're, you're right on time, man. We still got time. <laughs> All right. So any other thoughts on the game from rail salt late game? I, I thought we played outstandingly well all game. I think that. The offsides trap, intentional or not, was on fire against them. Again, showing the maturity and the uh, awareness of Bello more than the other guys because that is a very technical and um, mature thing to have to do as a player that you're not playing with those guys regularly to pull the offsides trap and to have the awareness of where you are in relationship to the other defenders to catch those guys up top offsides as consistently as Atlanta was able to do. And then the one or two times that it didn't work out to be able to track back and recover, I thought Bello did a great job at it. Well, you got to think about it. George Bello has been training with the first team, Dan, for how long? Three, two, three months, something like that? I know. He played a couple of guys on side, which made the offside trap not work. He played all right, but I think the offs- 
I don't think he was. I think it was more the back three that was really yeah. working really well on that that offside track. But yeah, we played him offside a whole bunch. Yeah, I think they had what nine nine offsides call. Was it really that many? I think it was nine. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was that that prevalent throughout the game. I it really didn't see too much of a threat from Real Salt Lake during the game. I thought that. Um, I don't know. Everybody played really well together. I think that we were unfortunate in Nick Romano getting a couple good saves. I think it was was it Tito his first shot, Dan, that that, that should have gone the in left post. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Someone told me that um, Romano potentially got a finger to that, but it was a great it was a great effort though. We no, we, he did. Yeah, I, I think I Romano like did tip it. This has been our most complete game. Who was that? I, I feel like the Real Salt Lake game was Atlanta United's most complete game that we've had so far. Yeah, and we did it playing a makeshift back line with, without Michael Parkhurst, right? I mean, you have yeah. Lorenowitz, LGP, and um, sorry, uh, Escobar back there. Yeah, And I think, to Bello's credit, he was a large part of that as well. So, um, okay, closing comments because we we gotta move our thoughts and oh, yeah. um, we got a big game this weekend. Anything else on Real Salt Lake before we start talking about Red Bulls? Nagby was outstanding Nagby again, just yeah. sucking all the energy out of the midfield, like taking yeah. taking all of their energy away and being able to control that. Escobar, I felt like had a much better game against yes. Real Salt Lake than he had uh, last week against San Jose. I thought that he looked really rusty against San Jose. Yeah, it's probably just it's just a matter of his yeah. injury layoff. Yeah. Um, uh, Gressel, outstanding again, man of the match. Yeah. Dan, anything else that positives, negatives that you saw from from Saturday's game? Uh, just to echo the um, what you said on Nagby, he was immense. I thought Guzan had some pretty good saves and uh, bailed us out. I think probably about twice. Um, he was great. All Good right. job, everyone. Good job, Eleni. So uh, looking towards the Red Bulls game. Well, first, there's a final. New York City FC, 2 nothing against Chicago. And Houston, 2 nothing against over. Philly. Is that over? I believe so. Okay. Should so be close. Dynamo have a trophy. Yes. Um, a real one, unlike the ones that Orlando touts, but that's a different. <laughs> Sunday, 1 o'clock um, in New Jersey. At Red Bull Stadium, Red yes. Bull Arena, whatever. Um, before we talk about that, I do know Unrelegated is doing a watch party in Marietta. They'll be recording leading up to and after the game. So be sure to check them out on Twitter, Unrel ATL. And I can't, unfortunately, the place that they're at slips me. But uh, yeah, be sure to go check those guys out. And if you haven't heard of them, be sure to find them on iTunes. Um, you can search Home Before Dark Network and get all of the content, including Mills Has Friends, or just search them out specifically, Unrelegated Podcast. Uh, so, yeah, this Sunday, 1 o'clock in Jersey, big headline going into this game. Bradley Wright Phillips gets the yellow card for dissent this past weekend and now has yellow card accumulation. Their top goal scorer, second in the league only to our very own Joseph Martinez out against the biggest game of the season for both teams. Go for it, Dan. 
<laughs> Interesting, we were just talking about offsides. One of the Red Bull's weaknesses is avoiding offside and keeping possession of the ball. Uh, we, um, I mean, Eric Rometty could have a squatter of a game. I feel like we missed uh, a presence like him when we played him last time. Uh, I feel like they got... Well, no, they didn't get lucky. They beat us fair and square. Um, I... It's going to be a great game. I'm I'm really glad Bradley White Phillips isn't there, which uh, I kind of guess is a blessing and a curse because I always want to play the best team just so when you win... Uh, really I I would agree with you place. if it was like seven or eight games back, but with yeah. only four <laughs> games left on the season or whatever it is now, I want as many lucky breaks as we can get, especially yeah, no, especially in this one. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, Sanetian will be his replacement. Um, I'm worried. You know, I always want to watch out for Daniel Royer. I feel like he has been popping up here and there and getting uh, some cracking goals uh, in their lineup. Um, and of course, Kaku and that guy. Hopefully, we can shut him down. I feel like if we can shut him down, that is going to be the key for um, Atlanta United. Lineup. Who are we thinking? Do you think Bello gets the call up as starting on left back still going into an away match? Yeah, absolutely. He got his, he got his first ever call up. First, I mean, his, his MLS debut, he came in. Played really well against a playoff team from the West, a team that has been playing relatively well over the past couple months. There's no reason to sit him. I, I get that McCann is going to probably be healthy. That's right? what Elliot Beaven is making the suggestion that McCann would potentially get that. Well, we will, I have not seen enough negative out of... I, I've, I feel more comfortable based on this recent performance... And of recent weeks, even with McCann in the picture, of starting Bellow and substituting McCann than the other way around. No, I agree. So the it wasn't a transcendent performance, but at the same time, it was a more impactful performance in his debut than, say, whenever Andrew Carlton came in, got the start against Montreal, and then was on the bench the next game. Right. I think, to me, it's a no-brainer to play him. Then again, I don't see these guys day in, day out in training. I don't know how endearing uh, Chris McCann is in the training to to Tata in in that regard, but I, I think you see Bello right uh, on time. Yeah, right on time. Kevin Brown, Bello's boys. I don't I don't think there's any reason you you sit him. I I say we probably end up uh, with Parkhurst maybe replacing Jeff Lorenowitz, and then the the same starting eleven that we had from Saturday. Yeah, I, I think the only change that we might see is because we saw Remedi, Nagby, and um, Larry, I could see one of them being pulled to pull in Barco, potentially. Oh, really? That's the only thing Stop I could Barco. see. Yeah. So are you guys going a 3-5-2? Yes. No. Against Red Bulls? Well, I, with Bradley Wright Phillips being out, maybe, but... Against Red Bulls, I feel more comfortable with a four-back, personally. Because you've got Escobar. You've got your, your back line for a four-back is completely healthy between Escobar, Parkhurst, LGP, and then whether it's Bellow or McCann, 
I, I, we can go all day about who we think it's going to be, but I think a four back gives you a little bit more security against a team that you know is going to be pressing. They're not going to sit back and wait for you. They're going to to push the issue and and um, try to put one in on you. They're not going to just capitalize on some weird mistake that you make. Dan, I mean, what threats are we dealing with from from an offensive standpoint? from red so, bulls i mean you you mentioned Derek etienne most likely replaces bradley bradley wright phillips alongside daniel royer who's kind of an oversized winger i mean you're really you, you touched on it where you we're gonna have to cut off the passing lanes from kaku to really you know contain that offense i don't know necessarily right. if you need i don't know to me if there's a huge difference between a four back and a and 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 a three back with, with two wing backs. So it, I guess it depends on how much they do press because their wing backs, you've got Kamal Lawrence on the left and Murillo on the right. So, which are both very good players in their own right. So putting, I'm real hesitant about putting Bello in a back four against Murillo because potentially because of his experience, I thought that Bello did an excellent job on Savarino against RSL. But Murillo's, a, I mean, he was in the World Cup this year. Uh, he could be a real difficult test for him. Plus, I mean, there's also Tyler Adams, and Tyler Adams likes to go back and forth uh, laterally across the field to pull guys out of position. Um, but. The only thing is Tim Parker and, and Aaron Long at the back have been a little shaky lately, uh, but I'm not banking on that to be a weakness at all. So, I mean, they've got a really strong team. Two two t- two names I'm not as familiar with because they just haven't been said out into the populace is Davis, uh, who would partner Adams in the sens- defensive central midfield, and uh, Velot who would play the right wing. But so so you're thinking no on. Bello uh, for the starting position? I don't think Bello. I think I think we'll play a 4-2-3-1. And I think it's going to be something like McCann, LGP, Parkhurst, Escobar, where with... Uh, it's, I think it, it will be Barco, Armoron, Tito at the top three with Martinez at the top. The thing is, what are you going to do between? I think you put Nagby or Jeff. Uh, I think you put Nagby and Jeff, and your subs would be Remedi and Gressel, maybe Kratz. So you would. Sorry, Kevin, you cut out. So Nagby and Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, man, Gressel and Remedi is huge depth on the bench. Exactly. I think that completely changes your run of play. It, I would swap Remedi for Jeff to start out with. I agree, and so does uh, Victor Meme or Meme in the uh, in the trap, saying you'd swap out. Uh, Remedi should be starting over Jeff. Ah, but I really want Gressel starting. <sighs> On the right. I like Gressel starting more than Vialba just because I love the momentum and the excitement that 
Tito's substitution always brings to the lineup whenever he comes onto the field. I hate it. I, I, I hate the idea of it, but I do love the fact that that if you had to look at what happens whenever Gressel comes on as a sub versus what happens when Tito comes on to as a sub, which mm-hmm. one gives you a bigger impact? You're, you're saying that because you think for some reason Barco is warranted starting. Who else are you going to put over on left right now? Tito. And then Gressel on right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can. I, I know I'm going to get hate for that. I don't give a fuck. But what has Barco done to warrant getting a start over what Tito and Gressel have been doing? I've seen... The problem I have with Barco is that he's in this weird in-between state for me where he clearly has ability, but it's like he's never making the right play at the right time, in my opinion, where he'll get the ball, create space, and then... I mean, he does distribute it occasionally, but more times than not, I feel like he's just on his back. I said it in our Slack (laughs) channel on Saturday. I challenge you to find me a player in MLS that is better at dribbling laterally and doing nothing than Barco. Name me one. (laughs) Chris McCann. Tyrone Mears. Tyrone Mears. They don't dribble laterally, though. They go up the wings. So you're talking about a guy who comes in from the left, clogs up the middle of the field where, you're, where it's I'm really crucial. Your, I'm talking about your doing nothing part. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. I kind of want to see a... I kind of want to see a Barco Bello link up on the left the more I think, The more I think about this, we could, we could go back to the 3-5-2, the lineup that we played last week, but having McCann start over Bello. Ugh. I like that less than putting in Barco. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the kid uh, the kid obviously has talent, and I don't want to harp on it too much. He is not in a position to be starting over either of the or any of the options that we have in the attacking third of the field. Yeah, I I mean I can't see him taking Gressel's. I agree. I'd want to start Gressel. Julian Gressel, much to Akil Circa's assertion may be a dark horse mls mvp candidate yeah like he has been so crucial and we talk week and week i week in week out i keep hearing people say well we should probably sit gressel it's probably time to sit him down so we can play somebody else but the guy just performs week after week after week and then gives kevin brown a shout out in his interview with uh I think it was Dirty South Soccer when he was talking about Kevin shouting him out at the beginning of the uh, the away matches. That, that, that was from The Athletic. Oh, it was from The Athletic. My bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, that was awesome. No matter know, how I much think... we think we know what Tata is going to do, he's going to do what none of us ever expect, I feel like. So who knows what we'll see. I really like that. Again, Gustavo just chimes in with nice little tidbits. I like that. He said, the problem with Barco is that he is wearing the Independiente kit underneath the Five Stripes kit. He's not completely adapted. (laughs) Ooh, but Victor, Barco did score against the Red Bulls. Yeah, one of his three goals. So Four goals. Does that mean anything to you? No. (laughs) No, it doesn't mean anything. Okay, so the same logic, uh, you guys aren't disagreeing with me, but the same logic that you guys are applying to Bello not, you know, maybe not being up for a big game or, or something like that, he's not going to be able to perform in this situation. Barco's 19, 
he hasn't really shown aside from some uh, some games kind of in the middle of the first half of the season that he's really up for the challenge or that he's really going to contribute to this team more so than the other guys are. I I just don't maybe he can maybe he can learn from the sidelines. Maybe we should put him in the twos. <laughs> <laughs> Have a DP playing in in the uh in USL. That would be very interesting. I don't know. Maybe next year is is the year for him, but right now crunch time, I'm sticking to my guns. That lineup that we deployed against Real Salt Lake was dangerous. I I personally Dude, am a if bigger. If we trotted out the exact same lineup, uh, my biggest problem was against that Red Bulls offense. Again, I don't know what it's going to be without Bradley Wright Phillips, but against their attack, I would prefer to have four players on defense than just the three back. Instead of potentially having five players on, on defense. And to Kevin Brown's point, Miles Robinson was playing against New York Red Bulls during that game, too. In the back. Was he really? I didn't know that. So, I'm, I'm a huge fan of three five two. I love the flexibility that adds. I love the unconventionality of it. I think that it kind of throws guys off guard sometimes. And I it, would... it gives you the flexibility to play um, play moving forward or, or to kind of uh, pull pull your guys back. Or pull four and then and then go to a uh, four three two one whatever i'm really interested in seeing a barco bellow matchup like there's we i've talked about it before about how i think that some of the inability of mccann rests on a lack of support that he somewhat needs on the left side um and barco drifting more centrally Bello didn't really need that as much. I felt like whenever he played this past week, you'll you'll never beat you'll never beat the guards side connection that they no. developed at no you'll never after have after that. a few games yeah. into last season. But no. my only thing about playing Bello, Barco, and Tito is those are your three subs. Like that, all three will be subbed off in that game. That's a good point. Good point. So, so I I think. I think Barco, uh, we could, if we played a 4-2-3-1 to Tim's point, I'd say Barco sits on the bench, we invert Tito, and then we put Gressel up on the right, as Tim was saying. Oh, and I like Brittany's point, too. We always have New England to try out the Bellow Barco. We don't need to get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's still crunch time. I don't care. We're winning that supporter shield as Joe... Johnstone says 75 points or bust. We're breaking the points record. We're bringing the supporter shield home. We don't need 75, though. We only need 70 for that. 75 means that we finish out the season on a winning streak, and I want that. (laughs) I want that because we want to go into the playoffs. We're going to have a bye week that's already confirmed. We we clinched that last week. I want us to lose against Toronto. Oh, fuck off. Are you one of these, you have to lose to really learn how to win yeah. people? <laughs> We've already lost. We've already lost some the people. The people like whenever the Patriots were 18-0 and 0 is like, well, if they would have lost to the Dolphins in the middle of the season, they would have beat the Giants in the suit. They, you know, that David Tyree catch would have never happened if they would have lost to the Dolphins in the middle of the season. Learn how to lose. Uh, yeah, I 75 hate that argument. and bust. I do yeah. like it. Um any closing comments going into Red Bulls? I guess score predictions. 
seven to nothing Atlanta. God <laughs> no. Um I see I could see a, like a two two happening up there, honestly. I, I want to see us get the win up there. It's gonna be difficult. Dude, to be honest, a draw is just as close to a win for us um in that matchup because it it maintains status quo. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can ask for. Is it's is to either maintain or do better. So uh win is a six point swing for Atlanta towards supporter shield and a draw is a what? Um is that a four it's point two points lost for Red Bull. So yeah, it's a three point swing, I guess. Because it would be one for us and two points lost for them. So that'd be a three point swing. We'd still be would still be four points ahead of us. Yeah, and our magic number's nine right now. So um that would be half of the total nine that we need uh with a with a draw. So again, win, best case scenario, a draw. I'm I'm very happy with a draw. I I, th- I like the idea of a two two. I'm gonna say one nil Atlanta on the road. Uh I'm going to go out on a stupid limb here and say justice is served and we beat them 3-1. They're going to cuz they need to win this game if they've got a hope left. So I could see them throwing everything at us and we just hit them on a counter a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, 2-2-1. Two, two, I'll go I'll go with a 2-1 there. And Elliot Beaven with the famed England motto from the 2018 World Cup. It's coming home. Great. And we saw how well that worked out. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks, Gareth Southgate. <laughs> it did a lot better than we thought it was. It's very true. Do we have anybody else going up to the game this weekend outside uh, of Kevin? I'm sure Kevin will be. Kevin, the, the, man, the only man I know that, only person I know that's yet to miss an Atlanta United game. Right? No, he, no, no, that's right. He's never missed a road game. Is that right? I don't remember. Or he hasn't missed a game he, I this think season. he's only missed one or two, though. Yeah. That's right. Never mind. Um, okay. So, housekeeping. We'll have a fun announcement this Five Stripe Friday. So, keep your eyes peeled to that on Twitter, Home Before Dark. That's before spelled B in the number four. Uh, pick up tomorrow. I'll be playing down at West End Station Soccer. Uh, I know DeAndre will be out there. If any of you guys or gals are interested, you can check out the meetup group for that and RSVP. Been doing that. We are hoping that the fall league registration opens up soon. So we'll be sure to post that on Twitter if anybody's interested in that and try to get a couple of Home Before Dark squads to play in the fall leagues. Other things of note or to mention from you, gents? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Brittany S. I think she's been on more podcasts than I have. I think- <laughs> <laughs> Brittany S. has been uh, has attended more Home Before Dark podcasts than Kevin Brown's been to Atlanta United games. That's a fact. fact. <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to step it up, Kevin Brown. Oh, I will be out. Angie and I will be out at the Candler Park. Art Festival. It's probably going to be raining. Hope not. Hope it clears up. Um, come see us. Come get some. Yeah. Get some cool gear. Come say hey. Not sure where the watch parties are at this weekend, guys. Um, I know that Terminus Legion and all the supporters groups typically have them. Um, Mention checking out Unrelegated. They'll be up in Marietta. Still on the fence on where we'll be at. Maybe Hudson FC in Brookhaven. That's 
aside from Elder Tree, that's the closest to me. So it's becoming an easy one to get down to. So I'll either be there or Elder Tree. I haven't decided quite yet. If you guys are more interested or interested in more home before dark shenanigans, <laughs> we is MVH. Yeah. Most valuable homie. Yeah. We just released our first regular home before dark show in a long time. Yeah. We had our best friend Kevin over here this weekend and we I am your best friend Kevin. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we had so our are you best telling me you guys just ripped off Christian Mills's podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happened. Matthew. No, we wanted him to know how it's done and to give him some <laughs> had to show him how the Padres do it so he knows his place and stays underneath our thumb. So so are you gonna is that a challenge like you're gonna do a funnier mad lib than he does is that we kind of did we kind of did yeah we did it was the in the middle Myers of the Briggs show test. Yeah. um we stopped in the middle of the show to do myers briggs and then and then next week i go to tim's ex's house and interview her <laughs> for <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um i will would love to hear that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that could be arranged for both of us. Tim, maybe let's can we just do that? Can you go interview mine and I'll go interview yours? No. No. <laughs> Not a fucking chance. <laughs> no, you need to do that now. Okay, homies. You need to get on them to do that because it'll be awesome. No, we um, be, Yeah, we did have our so first regular show. It's like hour and a half show. Like yeah. this is. Um so if you guys are interested in that, you could just uh subscribe to the Home Before Dark Network. You get all of the content. We're hoping to, we're trying to arrange some other interviews or sit downs with another one. <laughs> Kate, no. <laughs> As I said, word one the entire yeah. time. No. Yeah, not a chance. Uh, but we have some other stuff in the works. Hopefully going to get some people from uh, For the Culture on here between Greg and right. Greg and Vera and a couple other folks. Yeah. And um, yeah, just other things. I'm going to be tied up. So we got to... We gotta belt out some content because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be couch ridden. Oh, we're while. gonna have a lot that whole weekend. I'm just gonna turn on the recorder, <laughs> whatever. I'm Kevin. So just a little backstory, and I don't know if you know this, Dan. So because I'm going under the knife on the 14th of November. Breast that, breast enhancement. Yeah. Is this for gout? It's actually breast reduction. No, it's for grout. He's getting some tile work done, and um, <laughs> they're just gonna have to put him under. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to bleed out your couch. <laughs> I'm going to bleed out in my own bathtub, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. No, so I'm going to have, uh, have surgery on the 14th, and then the following weekend, Kevin is going to come and babysit me for, uh, what, Friday and Saturday? Something like that. Yeah. going to play. Which I'm pretty sure that is the weekend of the second leg of playoffs for the semifinals. Yeah, well, shit. I'm pretty sure. Well, I timed this very well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we're just going to turn on the mixer and and play video games and and record shit. Are you going to be moved in by that point, Tim? Yes. I might actually go. Can I go to the, can I be in the operating room and just do a live stream? (laughs) That's what Brian's asking. If we could do an away days episode at, at Tim's surgery. Get Jay to do it like with all the ambient noise that he had. I'll get a TIFO made. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can interview Tim's ex in the operatory. <laughs> oh, stop trying to make that a thing. It's not, it's not a happening. Thing. It's not going to happen. Okay, uh, Dan, any announcements on your end? How many more kids you got on the way now? Two. Twins. 
<laughs> you say that joking, but I don't know anymore. <laughs> Dan, Dan's going to have the first set of British-Irish twins. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. No. There's plenty no, of them. Any, anything to announce, Dan? Uh, yeah. Funnily enough, I've been listening to this awesome uh, podcast called uh, Dr. Death. It's all about a <laughs> surgeon who... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, basically, butchered patients. It's awful. Sure, I'm sure none of that is related to Tim's situation or what. No, it makes me feel good. I was just coincidence. (laughs) I was just trying to kind of comfort people that I'm going to be just having a pretty easy foot surgery. Now Dan has me thinking that my doctor's (laughs) going to be knifing me a little higher up than my foot during the surgery. So, no, I'm just kidding, Tim. I'm going to come home with like no. No right arm or something like that. No, know. you're going to be fine, Tim. Don't great, worry. Dan. It'll be great. Sorry. I did just finish a book, The Course of Love. That's uh, boring. Anybody in Who finishes a relationship, books? read it. It's awesome. I start books all the time. Just No, I don't finish Sounds them. terrible. That's what I've been doing, Tim. Sounds terrible. Most people meditate before bed. I've been reading before bed. It yeah. Puts yeah. me in a good state. Okay, this has gone on long enough. Thank you guys for checking us out. You can find all of us on Twitter. In the meantime, Tim, where can they find you? Just like my shirt says, but with Herb at the end of it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Dan, where can they find you? You can find me at DNJMS. And you can find me as well at The Architect. That's at the underscore ARC. Number one, T-E-C-T. Collectively at Home Before Dark. That's before spelled B in the number four. Check out gethomebeforedark.com forward slash shop. Uh, keep those dials tuned to the Twitter and Instagram for the announcement on Five Stripe Friday this week. And, yeah, we'll see you when we see you. Until then, as always, be home before dark. Coca-Cola over Red Bull. Oh, no.